Hello friends, welcome to Wednesday Wake Up, a podcast hosted by Gregory Maloof, Buddhist Dharma teacher in the lineage of Ruth Dennison, mental health therapist, and mindfulness coach. Wednesday Wake Up explores the ancient teachings of Buddhism through the lens of Western psychology, neuroscience, and the modern human potential movement. Our commitment is for these teachings to educate, challenge, and inspire you to awaken to your deepest potential to live a truly fulfilling life of wisdom, joy, and compassion. Thank you for joining us. May these teachings serve you well. I have a reflection for you today that I'd like to offer. I was thinking about the path the other day. I was in a training with... um, several students and it reminded me about this question that we we have on occasion which is how do I know that I'm making progress on the path like how do I know that I'm moving in the right direction am I doing it right am I getting what I'm supposed to be getting out of it because you guys you all know meditation sometimes it feels like you're on a merry-go-round that's run by the hindrances <laughs> and you're like is this just me going around with the same mental <laughs> okay hands up if it are we all on the same merry-go-round yeah right so like you know it's just like who's running this <laughs> who's running this behind the scenes uh and then so other so what I wanted us to remember is the ways in which we can look for growth on the path because it's really easy to feel like we're just going around in circles sometimes wrestling with the same childhood issues still trying to find the breath still trying to figure out how to do loving kindness and as long as I've been doing meditation I still feel this way quite frequently where I ask myself am I doing this right am I is this the way I'm supposed to be doing it and then the doubt you know, fades away as it usually does. And then there's a sense of confidence and stability in my practice. And then doubt arises again and so on. And doubt's always going to arise in our practice. It's always going to arise. But I just wanted to throw a few pointers out that things you can be looking for and why it's important to look for them in your practice. And the first thing I wanted to say is that there is such thing as progress. I know progress is kind of a I don't know, (laughs) a dirty word, so to speak. This is kind of a a word we don't like to say very often in meditation. And I know teachers are afraid of using the word progress because uh, we don't want people getting attached to the end goal and create creating other layers of sankharas and habits in which the clinging to the progress becomes its own dukkha. So I understand why we don't often speak of it in those terms. But the fact is we are going somewhere. We are going towards awakening. Awakening is an experience that, for the most part, all of us are at least uh, convinced to some degree exists, and we are growing and changing in that direction. And one thing to just ask yourself if you're ever doubting progress on the path, are you the same person you were before you started meditating? You know, are you the same person before you started meditating? You know, and... Show me some hands. Are you the, show me, throw up your hand if you're not the same person, if you've changed with the practice, right? It's so uncommon for someone to say, oh, I've been meditating for years and no changes, right? We all have, (laughs) we all have changes and meditation's hard. So if you're not changing, send me an email. (laughs) Let's get this squared away for you. Don't spend another day not changing while you're practicing. So We change, right? We change and we forget sometimes. Like when you think of life, when I think of my life before Dharma and after Dharma, wow, I'm like unrecognizable. Like my mind was filled with anger and 
trauma and hatred and just streams of thoughts that were uncontrollable and I could never calm my mind down. And I have to remind myself of that because it's easy to forget like, oh, right, I was really a different person before the Dharma. I've changed. When we practice the Dharma, we are gaining skills, we're learning and we're growing. And it's easy to forget how far we've come from that very first moment of trying to be mindful of breath. We've all come a tremendous distance, no matter how much you've practiced. There's been tremendous growth in the Dharma, even if you're not totally aware of it or not awake to it in the practice itself. One of the quotes that's often cited in the Dharma is the quote that students in the Sangha would say when they reached liberation. And loosely translated, it's often translated as, what needed to be done has been done. What needed to be done has been done. There is something to be done here. A lot of the Dharma is very passive. Letting go, equanimity, acceptance, even mindfulness has a passivity to it. But all of these things that we do in the Dharma are also active. They're things that we do. Letting go is a doing. Letting go is a learning. It's a skill building. And sometimes we don't remember that when we think of quote-unquote progress. We forget that the intention to be mindful is something that we learn how to do. And when we bring the breath back into awareness over and over again, that's practice. We're gaining skills. We're gaining a sense of heart-mind qualities. And it's easy to overlook these things as we practice, but we are getting things done. We don't want to be attached to the doing, but every time we sit in practice, we're doing what needs to be done. We are engaging intentionally, we're bringing wise effort and wise energy and an open-heartedness to the present moment. And every time we do this, it's changing who we are. Even if it's at the most subtle level of reality, every moment of wakefulness transforms us in some way. Minimally, it's building the habit of the factor of awakening of mindfulness. So every time you bring that mind back to presence, bringing the breath or breath energy back into awareness, that moment is skill building. That moment is progress. You've just moved one step forward to establishing mindfulness. It's easy to forget these little things as we practice. Everything we do in the Dharma requires effort and energy and intention. And those are the skills that we're building. So every time you exert an ardency and alertness and mindfulness in your practice, that's evolving your heart mind. That's evolving who you are as a person. In that moment, you are choosing to show up as a mindful, focused, if possible, equanimous human being. And so every moment we do that, there's growth that's happening. Every time we bring breath back, we're growing, we're learning, and we're changing. And even though the path does not move in a linear fashion, and it really doesn't, it's not like A, B, C, D, enlightenment. It's not, it's not like a checklist, although, of course, Indian philosophy gave Buddhism tons of checklists. It's not really a checklist. There are things to do, but they don't always go in a particular order. And most of the time, we have to redo them 10 million times before it actually sinks into our heart and mind. 
It's tons of times to get the mind situated, millions of times of in-breath, out-breath. There's lots to be done. It doesn't go in a particular order, and it can feel a little discombobulated. Like I said earlier, like you're kind of going around in circles. But even though it doesn't go in order per se, it isn't a linear, the path does have a natural progression that we can keep in the back of our mind as we're moving through practice. So a couple ways of looking at this is your practice is going to unfold like you're excavating. So the more mature you are in practice, the deeper the dive into the unconscious. So just picture, picture yourself an excavator and you're digging down. You're an archaeologist going layer by layer by layer. As you progress in practice, the layers get deeper. And as you move through, there's different things you get to see at different layers of the psyche. So no matter how long you've been practicing, you are in fact moving down into deeper layers of who you are. Deeper, deeper habit patterns are being revealed. Different heart-mind qualities are being unearthed. And healing is taking place. So even though it's not linear, there is a sense of progress that moves from the grossest sensations of the body itself, the elements, the physical being, the sense of breath, it moves from those gross levels of reality into more subtler and subtler and subtler realities. Quieter breath, more subtle emotions, more hard to see habit patterns. So we move from big objects to smaller and smaller and more subtle realities that the mind learns to pick up. Because as we practice, mindfulness gets sharper. So no matter what else is happening in your meditation, as long as you continue to practice, your mind will begin to pick up clearer and clearer perceptions of what's happening inside. So just remember that the magnifying glass of awareness is sharpening. Every time you sit in practice, you are ramping up, so to speak, the clarity factor. You are focusing that lens inside to deeper and deeper layers and over time the lens will just light up and you'll be able to see really clearly what's going on in the heart mind moment to moment and if you notice it keep it in mind as you're practicing it'll be easier to see it'll be easier to honor the progress if you look for these type of changes in your heart and mind as you practice so i just wanted to throw out a few things you can attend to in your meditation, just keeping it sort of as a post-it note in the back of your head, something to be aware of as clarity increases. So one thing that happens is that as you continue to meditate, you'll be able to notice more complexity. Oftentimes what happens as human beings, we try to reduce the world down to very simple bite-sized pieces, right? We do this reductionistic type of thinking where we look at the world as an oversimplified system in order to manage it day to day. But what happens in mindfulness is we begin to see that there's nuances in life. There's complexities that we never noticed before. There's karmic streams that just weren't in our awareness. We begin to notice, oh wow, I'm participating in this relationship in this other way that I never saw. So there's some complexity that gets revealed, that gets opened into awareness as we begin to meditate more. One of the things that will come into the heart-mind is 
an awareness of the role that you play in your own life, the role that you play in your satisfaction and your dissatisfaction. You'll begin to see where in the past you blamed others for what was going on inside or you felt more offended by the world in various ways. Now you start to see, oh, wow, I don't have to be discombobulated in this moment. I can breathe. I can be aware. I can body scan. I can do loving kindness. You begin to see that you can participate in the present moment in a different way and change what's happening. So we begin to see clearly, or clearer, I should say, um, of course, all the time we fall on our face when we completely forget that we're participating. But as you meditate, one thing to look out for is that noticing, that growing awareness that you're participating in your own reality, that you are co-creating your experience. Because that's what we're doing in meditation. We're looking inside and saying, what's going on here? What role am I playing in this moment? How am I thinking? How am I feeling and breathing and sitting? So over time, no matter what you feel is going on in quote unquote progress, just remember that you're seeing things that weren't seen before. You're noticing things more clearer, more frequently, and you're noticing causality more between how you impact your thinking, your feeling, and being in the world. And just by keeping that in mind, not really even looking for it with any exertion or energy, but just reminding yourself, oh right, as mindfulness gets clear, I'll notice more. Depth of emotion increases and sharpness of pain also increases. What I mean by that is that you will have access to a greater plethora of human experience as mindfulness increases. You will be able to see pleasure with a greater depth, but you'll also notice suffering in a sharper clear manner. This is why people, when mindfulness begins to work, it feels like pain is increasing. But actually what's happening is you're actually just seeing it clearer. It's not increasing the pain per se. It's that mindfulness is really noticing when you're stressed. It's really noticing when you're depressed and anxious and out of sorts. And that allows you to catch it sooner. The subjective experience is like, gosh, why am I meditating if it's just increasing my anxiety or increasing my depression? But actually what it's doing is it's clarifying the actual sensations as they arise, which gives you a deeper human experience. So you have a deeper sense of being in touch with yourself and being in touch with others. Those are things to notice over time as we ask ourselves, am I progressing? Am I doing this right? Notice the depth of emotion that you're experiencing. Notice how you experience pain after a year or two of meditation or even a few months. Notice how you respond, right? How you breathe, how you hold things in awareness because you have a whole different clarity of the details of reality as meditation begins to do its work. Another thing we notice, and this is something that's often talked about, is just the fact that no matter how much you feel you've progressed, it's always important to remember that the heart heals and the heart opens with mindfulness practice. We always have to remind ourselves that over time, mindfulness will allow us to be more vulnerable with ourselves. It will allow us to look at ourselves, accept ourselves more, be able to become comfortable with being present with the pain, 
things from childhood, depression, anxiety, trauma, insecurity, right? Mindfulness allows us to sit with that. As equanimity grows, there's just an increase in vulnerability and an increase in confidence because we don't run away from who we are. We bring a stronger sense of authenticity to ourselves in the present moment, and then we get to share that authenticity with every person that we come in contact with. I'm just so grateful for the Dharma because I know that all of my relationships are better when I'm sitting every day, right? I bring a different self to my relationships. I'm more honest, I'm more authentic, I'm more loving. And I notice that when I'm not meditating as frequently or as much, then I start getting irritable, right? And then I, you know, put my foot in my mouth or I'm more critical of somebody. So remember that your relationships are changing in mindfulness. Your relationship to yourself, first and foremost, is changing. That's progress. That is the way that the path unfolds. A couple other things you might notice, and this is just depending on who you are. With mindfulness comes better boundaries. So many of us, as we grow in the Dharma, because we can be more comfortable with who we are and get in touch with those feelings that maybe we don't like so much and get more confidence in being present with them, we're able to set better boundaries for pe with people and with ourselves. We're able to say, this is hurting me. I'm going to draw a line here. I'm going to create a better boundary. It also allows us to give up control, right? Remember before you learn to meditate, right? We all have things. I'm a control freak, so this really applies to me. But it's just that idea that you realize with mindfulness that, oh, I don't have to be so controlling. When I'm not in control, I don't feel as put out like I used to before I began practicing. Most of us at some point will begin to experience that progress. We'll be able to say, you know, I just don't feel like I really need to overly control this situation. I just don't. Where previously we would have. And it's subtle, of course. It's not something that you may always recognize in yourself. But oftentimes we really do learn to let go. And the way we see it is like, I just am not going to be as put out in this moment because I'm not going to get my way. Or I'm not going to be put out in this relationship because I'm not getting exactly what I want. So we give up control. We give up control. The last one is that we're less clingy. Right? We're less clingy to our preferences. Many of us will find before we start meditating that we have significant preferences. And if those preferences don't get met, we have a sense of irritation. Right? One of the things that happens with the Dharma, with mindfulness, is that we're less attached to preferences. And preferences are less of something we identify with. I think it was, I think it was Ayakema. I think I'm right on this. I think it was Ayakema, uh, who was a Buddhist nun, when she was asked about post-enlightenment, I think she was the one who actually talked about being at the first or second stage of awakening. And when they asked her, what does it feel like? She said something to the effect, I'm just not attached to the preferences. Like the preferences can go, come or go. I don't identify with the preferences anymore. So what she's saying is she still has them, but they're not who she is anymore. She doesn't walk in the world pulled by her preferences. And so there's that absence of suffering in that, in that regard. So preferences. So take note of your preferences and watch what happens in your heart and mind when your preferences don't get met. 
Now, of course, just to to highlight, I'm not talking about like healthy boundaries and relationships where it's like, oh, I'm not getting the love I need. I'll just let that preference go. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about preferences where you're in a room and the temperature isn't to your liking. And previously you might've gotten mad or immediately had to get up and change it or something doesn't go well when you're online with, I don't know, a company, you know, and you're getting some help with a your cell phone or something, you know, or your computer goes down, like how you react when your preferences are not being met. Most of us will acknowledge that that's a progress, that we're, we're more stable, we're less discombobulated, we're less averse to the vicissitudes, the ups and downs that arise and pass away with the present moment. We can let go a little bit more than we did before we started practicing in the Dharma. One other thing I wanted to mention about progress, and this is something we'll talk about on the retreat, so I just wanted to throw it in as a foreshadow. Oftentimes when we talk about progress, we're looking for some, you know, thunder, lightning, laser light show, smoke, right? You know, rock band kind of thing, stadium, uh, <laughs> stadium show, and that's not usually what happens. Normally it's subtle things in our life that we can notice and we kind of do have to look out for them. Otherwise they could easily go unseen and we won't acknowledge the goodness that's come from our practice. But there's just a couple things to note about how practice quote unquote progresses. So this is the way the tools operate in the path. In the beginning stages of practice, you're using mindfulness, you're using concentration, you're using equanimity to calm the mind, to become present. So you're using tools to create presence. So that in and of itself is progress. Those moments where you feel really present, that's huge progress because you're doing that. You're using those enlightenment factors and you're using those skills to fabricate something that did not exist before. Now, another thing that we do, and this happens when you go into more of the jhana realms, you use those same tools to learn how to create pleasure inside, how to really create a pleasure inside that's far more satisfying and far more satiating than the pleasures we get from the contact at the sense doors. So as we move forward, we use tools to create presence, we then learn to use tools also to create pleasure in our sits. So any time in your meditation that you've had a real sense of ease, a real sense of tranquility, or a real sense of joy, that is the fabrication of pleasure. That's also progress. That's one of the things that we learn to do. And it could easily go overlooked because we think when pleasure arises in the meditation, it's coming from outside of ourselves. Like, oh, look. The mind is calm. Yeah, the mind is calm because you fabricated calmness using the factors of awakening. You were meditating, which is an intentional act, and that's all the fruits of your progress. So when you feel calm, you feel centered, you feel pleasure in your meditation, chalk that up to progress. That's exactly what's supposed to be happening. That is success in meditation. Now, as you go deeper in practice, as you move into more of an intermediate phase of practice, we use those very tools that have calmed the mind and given the mind a sense of ease. And we use those tools to let go. We let go of the habit patterns of suffering. We use it to let go of consciousness itself. We use it to let go 
of all kinds of unskillful habits. So anytime you've had the experience of letting go of something intentionally, even if it's as simple as my mind wandered, I started kind of getting annoyed by it, but then I reminded myself, okay, don't go to war with the mind, bring it back, and you brought it back. That's huge success. That's great practice. So remember, letting go. Letting go, using the tools to do so, even in the smallest way. That's all progress on the path. If you look for these subtleties rather than looking for big explosions and light shows and things like that, you will start to see, wow, I'm actually really growing and changing and learning as a person. And my practice is actually much deeper than I'm giving myself credit. Because everyone who meditates that I know often is so much more successful in meditation than they think. They always think everyone else in the room is the successful ones and that they're just not getting, they're just not getting it. Especially like, you know, on retreat, when everyone looks like they're so serene and they're so quiet and like your knee is like on fire or it's like you can't calm yourself down to save your life or you're really anxious or some depression has come up and you look around and everyone else is just enlightened and you're the only one who can't, who can't figure it out. So just remember that everyone goes through this kind of doubt for one and also we just have to learn where to look for progress so we can get more hope in our practice so we can really see that we are in fact doing the work and the work is truly the work that needs to be done those are my suggestions my friends just keep an eye out for it you're all doing great and we all suffer from the hindrance of doubt and so much healing has taken place in this practice and every person that's come in contact with you since you've been meditating has benefited from the fact that you have a calmer mind a more open mind a more stable mind and a more loving mind it helps everyone we come in contact with i think we'll pause there hmm. thank you so much for your kind attention thank you for sharing the evening with us I'm always so appreciative that you stop by to take part in this joyful endeavor. It is always so nourishing and inspiring to me. So thank you. Let's fall back into Meta for a couple minutes. I know we're right at 8.33. I've been trying to get us out at 8.30, but if you can stay a couple more minutes, let's do a brief Meta and tie this up on a very positive emotional note. Let's plop for just a couple more minutes. Just take a long, slow, deep breath in, in through the nose and out through the mouth. Returning home to body breathing. Once again, here we are sitting. 90 minutes later, different emotions, different thoughts, different sensations, different breath. But still, mindfulness. Mindfulness as we breathe in and mindfulness as we breathe out moment-to-moment -moment awareness. 
And as always, we remind ourselves, as much as we are here for our own healing, our own journey into compassion and awakening, we set our spiritual compass to our loftiest ambition that all beings will be free. That we can show up in the world as kind, loving, generous beings. And that the merits of our practice will not only transform us, but transform all who come in contact with us. So with each breath in and each breath out, wish well for all beings in this moment. May all beings be free from harm. <clears throat> May all beings be safe and at ease. May all beings know true love, true kindness, and true compassion in this lifetime. And let's conclude tonight with one of my favorite loving kindness practices, which is this reflection. In this moment, if you could wish anything for all beings and know it would come to pass, what would that wish be? Wish that with each breath. Be well, my friends. Take care of yourselves. Stay hydrated over the next few days. May we all be free from heat. Thanks for showing up. Love you guys. Take care. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us here at Wednesday Wake Up. We honor the traditional Buddhist practice of offering the teachings without charge. So this podcast will always be ad-free and will never be behind a paywall. This podcast is sustained exclusively by the generosity of listeners. If you've received value from this podcast and have found your life or practice enriched by listening to it, you can support Gregory as a teacher by going to our website, www.wednesdaywakeup.com, and click on Donate at the menu on the top. While you're here at the website, join our mailing list and follow Gregory on Instagram at Gregory Maloof Dharma. Thank you again for listening. May all beings be happy.